0: Hey everybody, welcome to this week's live room of Lockdown Bearcats. We are part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. My name is Alex Frank, your host of Lockdown Bearcats. In a matter of minutes, I'm going to be joined by my colleague at all Bearcats and Sports Illustrated, Russ Heltman. We're going to talk Bearcats football, the crucial defensive change coming for 2023. The offensive rebuild that the Bearcats could be in this offseason, heading into their first season into in the Big 12. And... We're going to recap the Bearcats lost to Memphis on Sunday and look ahead to another crucial matchup Saturday at Houston. A reminder that today's live room and today's episode of Locked On Bearcats is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, the official sportsbook of Locked On. Make every moment more. Visit fanduel.com slash locked to get started. It's been a great week here on Locked Bearcats. Thank you to all of you who make us your first listen of every day. We are Approaching seven hundred subscribers right here on Lockdown Bearcats. We are part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. So lots to get to today. Looking forward to having Russ on as we do every, um, every Wednesday right here, twelve thirty Eastern Time here on Lockdown Bearcats. Um, so the Bearcats um, football. There's a lot happening and obviously um this is the off season. It's a long off season. Um but there's still plenty to talk about and there's still plenty to project. There's still plenty to talk about, you know, think about. There's a lot. And I think what is interesting about the Bearcats program is that I do think based on what happened last year with 29 first-year head coaches and I think what happened last year with the fact that 17 of those teams had either 500 or better records, I think that the Bearcats are in good hands with an offensive-minded head coach. I think they're in good hands with the guys that they have been able to land in the transfer portal. I think they're definitely in good hands with retaining uh, key players from last year's team, key hometown heroes, key hometown hero coaches like Walter Stewart and Kerry Combs. I I think they hired good coaches at defensive and offensive coordinators. I think they are set up for a successful season next year. Now, what does a successful season mean to you? What does that constitute for you? I think the first thing is qualify for a bowl game. Like, the Bearcats have not had six straight winning seasons in nearly 70 years. The Bearcats have also made 13 bowl games in the previous 16 years. So you want to keep that streak going. 13 bowl games in 16 years is really, really good. Again, the Bearcats are not Ohio State, um, Alabama, Georgia, all those blue blood schools. They've only been a good football program and at the top tier of college football, at the top tier for the last five years, and a really good program and a good program for the last 20 years. Ohio State has been a blue blood program for decades. Same with Alabama, same with USC, same with Notre Dame. Cincinnati is not that. So appreciate 13 bowl games in 16 years. Now, expectations are certainly going to be higher going into a Power 5 conference. You're going to have more opportunities to... um, It's not going to be as difficult and nearly impossible to make the college football playoff once the Bearcats get back to that level. But one thing that is... I think going to constitute success next year is not falling off a cliff, not going from nine and three to four and eight. I don't think the Bearcats are going to have the same hardships in their first year under Scott Satterfield as they did under Luke Fickle. I think they're in they're in really good shape in terms of being in the Power Five conference. They've got upgrades to facilities coming. They have more resources. Um, Russ is going to be with us here in a few minutes. So this is a a program that is still, I believe, on solid ground. And I hope you feel the same way. I hope you feel the same way that I do about the Bearcats football program. I understand that it change happens so suddenly. Here the Bearcats were in the college football playoff in 2021. This time last year, they were just coming off that playoff appearance. We were talking about, well, how do they reload to win a third straight conference championship and, and ride off into the sunset from their you know time in the American 10 years and go to the Big 12 with a lot of momentum. So that is what we were talking about. Now we're talking about, well, how are they going to rebuild the offensive line, which has been in position of strength for the last five years? How are they going to rebuild the wide receiver room, which really got good last year? How are they going to rebuild a lot of key positions on this roster? How are they going to rebuild – Um. How are they, what's going to happen to quarterback? Is Emery Jones going to, you know, is he the guy? I think he should enter the spring ball as the projected starter. But does Ben Bryant have a chance, even in a new system? Kudos for him, really, for sticking around. Because I'm going to be honest, I don't think his skill set fits Satterfield's system. Maybe they do. I don't know. But Bryant has got to become a more mobile quarterback. And maybe he's going to be because the offensive line is going to allow him to be that. Evan Prater, he's still here. Yeah, he's a hometown hero. He's still here. There's a lot to like with Evan Prater. I'm excited to see what he can bring to the Bearcats, um, to the Bearcats offense. If he is, if he can find a way to become the starter in 2023. And I think it's gonna be very challenging because there are a lot of guys who are um there are a lot of guys who in front of him that are experienced, that have great skill sets and have simply played more college football than Evan Prater. And so when we think about it that way, um, I I, I want to see him succeed. I want to see him have a role on this team, but it's going to be very difficult. Tweeting out the YouTube link that we are live again. Um, This was, if you're listening to this in podcast form, yesterday at 1230. So for future um, planning purposes, if you ever want to take a lunch break during your workday or whatever you're doing at 1230, maybe you're watching NFL Network, NFL Now Conference Championship Sunday this week, um, 1230 Eastern Time, yours truly and Russ Heldman. We talk Bearcats football, men's basketball, all all, all things Bearcats. Um, So feel free to join us. Uh, every Wednesday at twelve thirty, we we got we got it going on here, uh, here on Lockdown Bearcats. So, plenty to get to today. Um, I touched on this earlier this week. The defense of Cincinnati, I think, is going to still be really good next year. The defense last year was good, even though the Bearcats lost Malik Van in Week Two and eventually lost Dante Corleone in the final two games of the season. The defense was still really good. I saw them um, play really well against Indiana. I saw them play really well against um, Temple. Now they did struggle in in big games. In the four games that Cincinnati, excuse me, lost. In the four games they lost, they were they were gashed in the running game. Uh, teams hit big plays in the passing game. They they were gashed. Let's just call it for what it is. They could not stop dynamic offenses. And it showed in those games. And injuries piled up. Now, the good news is there's a change coming, a 4-2-5 defense. I'm really excited to see what a 4-2-5 defense can do. And with that, we bring in the driving force behind all Bearcats at Sports Illustrated. He is Russ Feltman, my colleague at All Bearcats. Russ, how are you? uh? I, I hear that there was a there was a a snowstorm expected up in Cincinnati, and nothing came. Is that true?
1: Yeah, it's classic Cincinnati weather, unpredictable and usually underwhelming. Which, if you're not in school, it's usually pretty nice for the people that have to commute in the mornings, all that stuff. I am not uh, not sad. There wasn't traffic issues and snow issues this morning. But great to be with everybody on Locked On. It's a lot to get to this uh, this show, as we always have, seemingly every live room.
0: Seemingly every live room that we have, we'll take your questions and comments in the chat. So uh, let's get rolling right here on Locked On Bearcats. Our Locked On Bearcats, your daily podcast on the Cincinnati Bearcats. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. If I didn't mention this, today's live room and today's episode of Locked On Bearcats is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, official sportsbook of Locked On. Make every moment more. Visit fanduelcom Lockdown today to get started. I'm Alex Frank. He's Russ Heltman, my colleague at All Bearcats and Sports Illustrated. Russ, I know you're in a you're in a betting. You write for uh, you write betting articles for All Bengals with uh, James Rapine. So uh, how about that FanDuel Sportsbook coming to the Locked On podcast network? Can't beat it.
1: I'm an avid FanDuel user. Just placed a uh, parlay on some NBA awards this morning. Love FanDuel. Let's get it.
0: good times. Uh, I mean, sports betting's legal in Ohio. We got the uh, the yes, Bearcats is, in action. Yeah,
1: we love it. We love the sports betting being legal now. Even more content avenues to dive down, dive into. It's great. Yeah.
0: Oh, absolutely. I, I'm looking forward to getting back into to uh, to, to Cincinnati in Ohio. Um, in what is it in about two weeks, Russ? So uh, you and I will finally cover a game together in two weeks. So looking forward to that. But let's get to this because I talked about it earlier this week. The Bearcats' defense next year, Russ, it's going to look a little different with new defensive coordinator Brian Brown. But I think it is for the better. So how important is this change defensively from a three-three-five to a four-two-five going to be, in your opinion?
1: Um. I don't know if importance is the word I would use. I don't think it's going to be as, as in, a change in importance from how great the Black 335 defense was under Luke Fickle and Mike Tressel over the past three years. I think it's just going to be a little different, maybe a little bit more aggressive. But all in all, I don't know if the difference is going to be that glaring in terms of impact, in terms of players we expect to be in the roles they're holding right now and the roles that they held last year in terms of the strength of the team, once again, Alex, I think you'd agree with me, being that defensive line and that linebacking core coming back next season as it was in 2022. So I don't know. I don't think there's that much difference and especially that much of a difference in expectation out of this group compared to an offense that lost a lot more pieces and is a lot more of an unknown in terms of what we're going to see scheme-wise and what we're going to see personnel wise at the quarterback position at running back position at the starting wide receiver position at the starting offensive line position at the starting tight end position oh wait i literally just named every single starting group you can have on an offensive unit and that's the biggest question mark i think on this team right now more so than the defense of brian brown which in my opinion will be something that this program tries to lean on in the first two years of the big 12 entrance as they just try to go six and six this year try to make a bowl game try to hold serve before bringing in more and more talent hopefully if you're a bearcats fan on the in the recruiting ranks and getting the offense to the heights it needs to be in the big 12 to compete for not only big 12 titles but national championships when they're probably most likely able to in the time frame after the the 14 playoff moves to a 12 team playoff I don't see them comp- competing for that 14 playoff over the next couple of years. The goal is to be ready to win the big 12 and get in that 12 team field in 2024.
0: All right. So let's go to the offense, Uh new offensive coordinator, Tom Manning. What is he going to bring to the running game that can make it better than what it was last year?
1: With Tom Manning, he's just going to bring development. He's going to bring, I think a, a nice wide zone scheme mixed with Scott Satterfield. We'll see how their principles kind of coalesce in this offense but I think we'll see a pretty sound running attack. I don't know if we're going to get a bell cow back, which has been kind of evading the Bearcats over the past year, year and a half, ever since Jerome Ford left. They had been using a bell cow in perpetuity. Michael Warren, Jared Doakes, uh, Jerome Ford, those were the bell cows before. Didn't really have that last year, and it led to the inconsistencies that you and I talked about throughout the entire season. So I think with, with Tom Manning, Goal number one is gonna be who are my aces in the hole at running back? Who are my lead rushers gonna be? Is it gonna be Ryan Montgomery? Is it gonna be Corey Kiner? Is it gonna be Miles Montgomery? Stephen Bird, maybe freshman develops in the offseason a little bit. He comes out of nowhere. That's goal number one, I think, for this rushing attack. Finding that perfect player to mold your scheme around and then building everything off of it. But as I said in the uh when looking at the offense, it's just very difficult to give the media what you think or what you want the scheme to look like would you have even seen your own personnel on the field with any kind of scheme that you're trying to work with them on.
0: Yeah, something I talked, about, I talked about yesterday, and you mentioned it, Russ, the inconsistencies in the running game last year. And I talked about during the season how the interior of the offensive line was a big reason for it, that they could not run the ball up the middle. And I also said in the offseason last year, Russ, many times, the Bearcats are at their best when they've had bell cow running backs like Jerome Ford, like Michael right. Warren, like Isaiah Pete. I mean, you go all the way back, um, to those two, to Isaiah Pete, when the Bearcats have had a bell cow running back, they've always been, that's what's always worked for them. Now, here's a question I have for you. So yet, so on today's show, uh, today's episode, Locked on Bearcats, which you can, um, watch on YouTube or listen on audio everywhere, anywhere you get your podcast free and available. Um, Something I said, I ranked the 15 transfers who have committed to Cincinnati so far, and I put Luke Kandra at number one. And I said that because, A, the offensive line has been a strength over the last five years, but now needs rebuilding, as you said earlier. B, because the Bearcats historically are a run-first offense, and if you don't have a strong interior offensive line, the running game is going to struggle. And Luke Kandra-Russ, as we know, is you know he's played guard at, he played guard at Louisville and I think he would project as a guard potential starter at Cincinnati do you agree with Luke Cantra being the most in terms of not best player but in terms of most valuable transfer commit is Luke Cantra at the top for you
1: uh I'd say he's up there I'd, I'd probably have maybe one of the receivers up there as well Sling Burkhalter. I think he could be the most impactful player out of this transfer portal class Don of an Alley also up there as well. I think a guy that's kind of going a little under the radar, but has a chance to make a big impact is Joey Belgian, the uh, Western Kentucky transfer, nice red zone target that's coming over and most likely will start alongside Shim, Shimo Matera and, uh, and Peyton Singletary, kind of rotation there in that tight end group. But I, I kind of do agree with you, Alex. I do agree in the fact that Luke Kandra, I think, and Trevor Redisevich for that matter, those two guys in the middle there, and pick your poison, Radicevic, I think, expected to be the starting center, moving Gavin Gerghardt either to left guard or right guard in that scenario. You're only as good as your offensive line in, in in the sport of football for the most part. And if your offensive line does not meet the standard that they failed to meet last year, you're not going to meet the standards that your fan base has for this program. So I think it all starts up front. I would I would probably agree with you there. I would lean Luke Kandra and, uh, and Trevor Davis. those guys, I would I think, have the potential to have the biggest impact. And then going with Luke Kandra, the pedigree, the hometown hero, already played under Scott Satterfield, should be a, as seamless as a transition as possible in that Satterfield system. I, I could get on board with that. Yeah, I like that pick.
0: Now, you said Sterling Burkhalter. I... He comes from North Carolina A and T. The Bearcats have three other wide receiver transfers to come from Power Five schools, but you mentioned him first. Is there a reason for that?
1: I just love what I've seen on tape from Burkhalter. I think he's at untapped potential, a little bit more potential, mm-hmm. higher ceiling than Diamond Ali out of Washington State. And I just think Burkhalter's Berk- got a little bit more big play ability to be able to get that done. But a guy that we haven't even talked about, Alex, and I think it's because it's been so long since we've seen him hit the heights that the number one impact transfer would have to hit to be able to own that mark. And that's Emory Jones, former top 100 yeah. recruit, transfer from Arizona State. You hope, if you're a Bearcats fan, that Emory Jones hits that ceiling that he hasn't hit in his college career. And if he does do that this season, then he will definitely be the most impactful transfer. But there's just been so much inconsistency, such a bad showing at Arizona State, gets benched midway through the year. It's definitely... Um, trending in a different direction compared to what Luke Kandra and guys in that offensive line unit have going in their favor coming into this program versus Emory Jones, who is expected to be the starting quarterback, but there's a lot of quarterbacks still in that room, Alex. And that to yeah. me speaks to this coaching staff laying it on the line of these players and saying, we're going to go through the spring. We're going to lay out how we feel about everybody at the end. And we can kind of make our decisions from there, but you have the opportunity to either leave now or compete for that starting job that that I'm pretty sure hasn't been handed to Emory Jones, or we would have seen a a larger exodus out of that quarterback room, which was correct. If I'm wrong, I think has six players in it as we speak right now.
0: It's got a lot. It's going to be a big battle throughout the spring and into the, uh, into fall camp. Uh, Let me ask you this is Emory Jones right now, the front runner to be the starter heading into spring practice, which um, starts in about six weeks for us.
1: I would say, yes, just, just, default front runner to be the starter. Ben Bryant didn't do anything last year to make you think he should be the, the odds-on favorite to be the starter. Evan Prater, you and I have spent plenty of time talking about he how poorly he performed in those two starts afforded to him at the end of the season. Great competition or not, you're going to have to play a lot of great competition in the Big 12, and you're going to be asked to perform if you're the starter for this program. That doesn't really hold up as an excuse for me, and he's got to get a lot better. So, yeah, as of right now, it would be a shock to see a guy like Brady Drogosh get a start in his freshman year, true freshman season. So, yeah, Henry Jones is the front runner as we speak.
0: Okay, so here's something that I've talked about on this show this week. How much of a rebuild is this offense going into? Because I, I, I ran this yesterday, Russ. So last year there were 29 first-year head coaches in college football. 29. Okay. 12 – had winning seasons, including former Bearcats defensive coordinator Marcus Freeman. Five finished 500. So more than half of your first-year head coaches last year, Russ, um, finished 500 or better. That's encouraging. Eleven of the 29 first-year head coaches are offensive-minded. Eight of them saw and eight of them saw increase in offensive yards per game from 2021. So that offers some hope for the Bearcats offense this year, but. How much of a rebuild exactly is this Bearcats offense uh, in right now?
1: Uh, a, a pretty heavy rebuild, to say the least, Alex. When you lose, I mean, outside of the running back position, they've lost everything. They've essentially lost everything. You've lost your entire offensive line, save for Gavin Gerhardt. You've lost and Dylan O'Quinn, who I don't, I think he clear, That one may have slipped through the cracks over the past few weeks, but I, many people were saying O'Quinn not expected to come back. So we'll see if he eventually does. It feels like I, I would have to go through that after the show, but for the most part, you've lost four out of five day one starters on this offensive line. You've lost your top six pass catchers. And to me, that just speaks to a full rebuild. You don't have a starting quarterback now. That's a full rebuild in a nutshell. It would only be a complete utter 100% rebuild if they also lost Ryan McCullough Montgomery didn't come back. Corey Kiner transfers and uh, Miles Montgomery also transfers. Then you're looking at a completely torn down to the studs unit. Thankfully, that did not happen. You retain Montgomery for his extra year of eligibility. You retain Kiner as a hometown hero and you keep Miles Montgomery in the fold for what should be a nice position group to lean on in the earlier part of the season, I would amend. But if that would have gone uh, gone up in smoke, then yeah, you're looking at a completely torn down to the studs rebuild. And this is more of a 80% out of 100% rebuild in my eyes.
0: Wow. I mean, I, I look at the offensive linemen on this roster and I, I mean, they, they have not seen much action. That concerns me. And I look at the wide receivers. It, I mean, Wyatt Fisher's the only player from last year's Bearcats team to have a catch. I mean, that is, I mean, this wide receiver room, and like, I want to see what Chris Scott can do. I think Donovan Ali brings experience, and I think D Wiggins has potential. Keyshawn Helton does too, but like, I, I just don't know right now. And I, I, none of, the, I none of those
1: that. guys are studs. None of those guys are day one oh, walking well, in that's... the door, Blitnikoff award watch list, to say the least. Okay. So, I mean, okay. you and I have talked about Sterling Burkholter. We just talked about D Wiggins, Keyshawn Helton. Those guys are looking for new opportunities for a reason. And, Burkhalter, the reason I brought him up is because he's leveling up in situation. He is choosing UC out of many other options where he can go and further upgrade his status in college football versus D. Wiggins, Keyshawn Helton, Donovan Ollie, less so, but D. Wiggins and Helton dealing with a ton of injuries in their careers and just trying to find a stable spot to finish their careers uh, with. Wiggins, a guy that transferred to Louisville last year, gets hurt. Game three, I think of the season was expected to be a big contributor, and then follow Scott Satterfield to Cincinnati the following year. So, yeah, like on the on the pass catching unit, they they brought in solid talents, but as I mentioned, nobody that's going to wow you and think, hey, that's Marty Gilliard walking in as a transfer coming in and ready to set the UC record for yards amassed in one season, touchdown scored catches, all that stuff. And then with the offensive line, like yeah, Dylan Quinn not expected to come back. You got. A starting pool of guys like Tanya Tensley, Ethan Green, Philip Wilder. Forgot to mention him as a transfer. Uh, two uh, two other transfers we talked about a lot: Trevor Davis and Luke Kandra, Gerhardt, who I mentioned, John Williams, Cam Jones, maybe Mal Glenn, maybe Luke Dalton. All those are brand new names, Alex, outside of Gavin Gerhardt and maybe D'Artagnan Tensley a little bit in mop up duty here and there last year. A new look offense, to say the least.
0: Definitely. will be to see what it looks like and who stands out in uh, spring practice, which starts in about six weeks. All right, coming up, we'll hit the hardwood, a tough loss for the Bearcats on Sunday against Memphis. Uh, I got a story, um, an analysis on the Bearcats three-point shooting on all Bearcats. We'll get into that. We'll get into Saturday's game against the Houston Cougars. But first, I'm here to tell you that today's episode of Lockdown Bearcats, today's live room, is brought to you by FanDuel. So, The NFL playoffs are here. We're really excited about our new sports betting partner for Lockdown because they're the number one sports book in America, and that is FanDuel. If you're new to FanDuel, that's even better. They have so many great features that make betting on sports fun and easy. New customers join today to get started with $150 in free bets guaranteed when you place your first $5 bet. Just sign up at FanDuel.com slash Locked on the AFC Championship Sunday, the Bengals and the Chiefs. Right now, the Bengals, are, according to FanDuel, are a one-point favorite, a one-point favorite to beat the Kansas City Chiefs. I like that, and I like the Bengals to um, cover that. So, just sign up at FanDuel.com. FanDuel has all your favorite bets from the money line to point, to point spreads to player props. Plus, you can even combine your bets for a chance at a bigger payout. With a save game parlay, all on an app that's safe, secure, and super easy to use. So, football fans, don't miss out. Place your first first $5 bet to get $150 in free bets, win or lose, at fanduel.com. lockdown. Make every moment more with Fanduel, the official sportsbook partner of the NFL. March Madness is right around the corner. If you want to win your office pool, you need to stay caught up with all the college basketball action with the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Thanks again for making Lockdown Bearcats your first listen every day. Make sure you check out our brand new podcast, Lockdown College Basketball. Everything you need to know about college basketball all in one place. Plus, hear from big name experts, insiders, coaches, and players. Lockdown College Basketball is available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcast. Back here, Lockdown Bearcats. Live room Wednesday. Russ Hellman is my colleague at All Bearcats and Sports Illustrated. I'm Alex Frank. I've got a story up on All Bearcats about the Bearcats three-point shooting, which there are some things when you look at it, and this was all based on a comment I saw from a fan about who's taking the most three point shots. We'll get to that here in a few minutes. But Russ, first off, the Bearcats um lose Sunday to Memphis a tough game. They lose 75 to 68. Um, do you and, and, and from what you've said on this show and from what I've talked about, and I want to ask you again, do you do you sense? With 10 games remaining, the time is running out on this team to start building that resume for an at-large bid to the NCAA tournament.
1: Oh, time's run out. Oh, it's done. This team is done. The season's over, unless they beat Houston on the road Saturday, which I don't know if anybody's given them a chance to do that, especially given the fact that Houston just got a kick in the face on this past weekend, 56-55 at the hands of Temple. That is not the situation you see wanted to go into, because now he's Houston, if they weren't motivated to finish out the C-Strong before that loss, they assuredly will be now. It's just too many missed opportunities for the Bearcats. I break it down almost every single preview rent. we dive into, the keys to the game, what they have to do. But the bottom line, the consistency in terms of available talent and the talent showing out on the floor night to night is just not there. Outside, there's Nolly. Landers, Nolly and eh, Victor Laden for the most part, although the shooting has tailed off a little bit lately. Got back to against Memphis, but wasn't his best game overall, I would say. Outside of those two guys, it's been hard to find players that night in, night out, you know exactly what they're going to give you. Micah Adams Woods, a perfect example. They needed more from him in the Memphis game. They needed him to be much better against those guards, much better against Kendrick Davis. And it just didn't happen, did not get the performance they needed out of them. And now you see sits in a position that they've been in since Wes Miller started. I like the guy a lot. I think he's a good coach. I do. But at some point, at the University of Cincinnati, you have to start winning some modicum of a big game. I'm not even saying winning a ranked, ranked contest. I'm not even saying beating a top 25 team, a top 50 team, a top 60 team in Memphis, in UCF. Those are the wins that have to start happening on a more consistent basis, or the cries and the bemoaning bemoaning from fans is going to get louder and louder. Year two, I get it. The guy needs, I think, one more year, two at at the most. If he starts to show some progress next year, he needs to be given that time to get his classes in, get his players in, and get them ready to go. But, Alex, they're 0-6 this season in quad one and quad two games. 0-6. Six, including I think three losses in those games at home to Memphis, Houston, and Xavier. At some point, this program has to win a big game for the first time since late November 2021.
0: No question about it, Russ. I mean, that that that's just the bottom line. Close is not good. Close is no longer good enough. Like the Bearcats, yeah, they played Arizona tough. Okay, great. They played Xavier tough. All right, fine. Xavier's really good. We know that. But at some point, you're going to have to start to win these games because, I mean, yeah, time is running out. Now, if they miraculously beat Houston on Saturday, hey, maybe we'll, you know, sing a different tune next Wednesday. But if this the doomsday clock, just, gets
1: some, get some minutes lopped off a little bit at that point. But even then, you're still uh, in a bad scenario.
0: It, it's, it's just so frustrating to me because, and I, I said this earlier this week, like, we're going to talk, we'll talk a little bit about the Bengals in segment three to round out the show. But, like, I watched the, so the, Sunday was a big sports day in Cincinnati. You know this listening to this live room or in podcast form. Sunday, had the Bearcats of one, and then the Bengals and Bills of three in the playoffs. Russ, what I saw from the Bengals, my biggest takeaway, was the confidence and the chip on their shoulder they played with. Where's that from the Bearcats men's basketball team? It was here in the Mick Cronin days. Like right now, Russ, and this is a phrase Mick Cronin used to use all the time. There are guys on the team who, when they get on the bus, are deciding whether or not they're winning. I don't know if this team has that guy right now. I don't know if there's a guy on this team that when they step on the bus, they're going to be that alpha and lead this team to victory. I don't think DeJulius is that guy. I don't think Landers Nolly is that guy. I certainly don't think Jeremiah Davenport is that guy. That's the problem with this team right now, Russ. Do you agree?
1: I don't know about that. I I can't really get into the head of the players in that sense. All I can do is evaluate what I'm seeing on the floor and, and evaluate the talent. The talent's not there. Now, next year, it could be there. It's very possible that they could be a competitive team in the Big 12. Possibility is a big caveat because now you go on a Big 12 schedule and every single game is going to be that much more difficult compared to, sure, you have Houston this week, but you got a stretch earlier last week where you paired together three wins against East Carolina, SMU, and South Florida. They will never face a three-game stretch that easy for the rest of of their time in conference play as a Big 12 member. I am confident saying that with how great yes. Big 12 basketball has been over the past five years, past 10 years, past 15 years. It's not going away anytime soon. So the fact of the matter is the talent just has to get better. It has to increase. I think you have to find a way to retain Landers Nolly next year. That is a massive, massive, massive goal for this program. Bring him back. Have him be your marquee yeah. player going in to the Big 12, and they should have another year development under Victor Locken. You get your two forwards that are getting a ton of great mitts, great development this season, and Dan Skilling and Josh Reed. You get them into, into being full-time starters in the rotation. You add a transfer or two here and there. You bring in your two big-name top 50 guards and Jizzle James and Rayvon Griffiths. You're starting to build something there. You're starting to get something rolling. But with this current crew, it's clear that they are not talented enough especially when you think about in the grand scheme of the big 12 to compete in that league, but to compete for the AAC title, they just are not consistent enough. And the overall, I think acumen of the team to be able to buckle down in those big moments and be able to fight for what they believe in fight for those winning goals there, but they just can't consistently access it because of the talent deficit that they are facing. In these top 50, top 60 games. But like I mentioned, Alex, they got the best point differentials in the league because the coaching is so good that when they face these bad teams, it's like light work. The system overwhelms them and they're able to make easy work of them. But when they face these tough teams, it's just, it's, it's a perfect example. Last three seasons against Memphis, they've lost every single game by seven points. Yeah, They've been the same distance from Memphis every single year.
0: And it used to not be that way. Memphis used to be a team, the Bearcats, I mean, yeah, it was a big game because this is a rivalry that goes back a long way, but you had the confidence that the Bearcats were going to win the game. I mean, 2019, they beat Memphis twice. Those were games games they could have lost. They didn't because Jaron Cumberland took over the first game, and the second game, they had a big enough lead that they were able to hold on in the end, but that's not the case anymore, Russ, as you you just alluded to. There have been three games between the Bearcats and the Tigers since Wes Miller took over. Every single game has been there for the taking. They just simply have not been able to win it. Now... I'll take your questions and comments in the chat here shortly. Um, give me your analysis. I, I have the story on all Bearcats. Give me your analysis on the Bearcats three-point shooting because I, they are tied for the conference lead. They're 83rd in the country. Those are great. But I feel like, and I said that, I, I ended the, my story with this. Time is running out, and I still don't feel like players 100% know their roles, especially when it comes to three-point shooting. What do you make of that?
1: The bottom line is Jeremiah Davenport, and you brought up a great point that kind of built the article around this idea. The fact that J. he's a competitor, he tries hard, he does. I, I defended him a couple of weeks ago on this show, and you ever did. since I did, after that Wichita State performance, it's been a disaster. Yeah, Asterson's shooting 27% overall from the field that game, 24% from three on almost seven attempts per game. That just can't happen. And I don't know if it's the coaching staff still enabling him to shoot these kind of shots. I don't really get it. But all I'm told about Jeremiah Davenport, is a guy that uh, thrives more when he takes those more difficult shots. Well, that's just not happening. No, he's shooting 31% no. overall from the point line this year. He's got a he, he's he's averaging nine point three points per game low since his freshman year. He's having his worst season in the past three. He doesn't look any better on defense. Doesn't look like he's taken midseason str- stride in that sense at all. And At this point, like Alex, when does the conversation start? As Rob, Rob Fantasy, who practiced pretty well yesterday, from what I saw um, in the Tuesday or in the Wednesday yeah, session, looks like he's returning against Houston. You get John Newman talk to him the other day. He's in great spirits, seemingly going to return. Hopefully, in the next couple of weeks, we'll see if that can happen. When does the benching conversation for Jeremiah Davenport start? That's what I want to know because he is actively hurting this team's chances to win battle games. As you mentioned, the highest volume three point shooter on this team hitting 30% of those shots. Those two things do not compute. And it's taking a team, an offense, and you see that could be elite nationally into just a very good offense.
0: Great point. That's a really good point. I mean, he's not even shooting that well from the field overall. And, like, yes, shooters keep shooting. Not when the shots aren't falling. Russ, the shots are not falling. His scoring average has gone down since he re- was relegated to the bench. So that's interesting. And Landers, Nolly, who shoots 44% from three, has attempted, what, 12 to 14 fewer threes than Davenport? David DeJulius, he's— David DeJulius' shot selection, I I think, is good. Um, he's played really yeah. well over the last, I mean, he played great last Wednesday at South Florida, Russ. I mean, he was seven of eight from the floor. Um, so it, it was it his just, best
1: shooting performance of his career for the yes, last week, but, but, but seven three, of eight is the perfect example. Yes. Can we get, can you get 16 shots when you're cooking like that? Can Landers Nolly, when he's five of 10 from the field from three, can you get 14, three attempts? 15, three Now That's kind of crazy. I know I get that, but you get the point that I'm trying to make for the audience yes. here is Spam what's working well. Stop spamming what's not working. Yeah, I
0: mean, Davenport is on pace to attempt thirty six fewer threes than last year. (laughs) It's crazy to think about, but right. And when I I mean bench, I don't
1: mean I obviously know he's not in the starting lineup, but he's still averaging twenty eight minutes a game. Like that's basically a starter level minutes, and he's shooting twenty six percent from the field. He has a, and it's not just the shooting, Alex. The overall impact on the game has been cut in half since that great performance against Wichita 22 points, season high on January 5th. Since that game, he has a 3.7 average game score in each of the five following contests. For context, Davenport, in the beginning to start the season, was way, way better. Before the Wichita State game, going into that contest, he had a 6.8 game score on average in each game. So to have that get cut in half, it's just... Something is clearly not working. It hasn't worked all season, and we only have ten games remaining. Now it's 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 sixty six percent of the way of the season. You are what you are at this point, player.
0: Yeah, I mean to quote Bill Parcells, "You are what you are." Um, all right, let's let's get to the chat here. See if we've got any questions and comments. Uh, looks like we do. Paul Burkett uh, says, "I'm excited for Daniel Greshik being added to the D line." Russ, I think that's I, I think that's a great point there. Here's a guy who is a hybrid defensive end linebacker transfer commit. And the Bearcats, I think, now are going to have the luxury of having two edge rushers, one on each side. And I, I, I said it earlier this week, imagine if that 2021 team had two edge rushers on the D-line. My J. Sanders was double teamed all season. He only had two and a half sacks. Imagine if they had someone running opposite him. They could have that this year with their defensive line. And Greshik is a great um, transfer commit for this Bearcats team. Uh, Paul also saying Mayo Glenn is still a Bearcat, right? Been waiting on his opportunity. Russ, you just um, talked about him. He is. To answer your question, Paul, he is. Um, Sab one. Do you guys think Miller is the right coach? That's a very interesting question. You say you, you like him as a coach, Russ. I do too. Does it go back I think to he's just the the right coach. not having the talent right now?
1: Yeah, I think it's it's just the talent factor. It's the 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 situation he was dealt at the beginning. And I think patience is, is a great virtue. It's a perfect example is the team we're going to finish the show with, the Bengals. They fire Zach Taylor after three years. We might not be talking about back-to-back AFC championship runs. So I think three yeah. years is a great bellwether point for any coach in any profession. Three years, you get your system implemented, you get your players in by the end of year two. That third year is when you expect a really big takeoff and I think that's when the, the expectations should really start to rise. In most cases, Alex, for a program like the Bearcats. But they're headed to the Big 12 next year. I don't know how high the expectations can really get in year one of the Big 12
0: as you experience that schedule for the first time. Yeah, I mean, it, well, uh, and look at the Big 12 right now, Russ. Kansas has lost three straight games to K-State, who I believe lost to Iowa State last night. Kansas also lost to TCU. I mean, not just lost. They got their brain speed in by TCU on Saturday. And then they lose to Baylor. Yes, at home. And they lose on Monday. Oh, a newsflash. They play Kentucky in Lexington this weekend.
1: Yeah, you get the SEC Big 12 Challenge next year as well for the Bearcats. So.
0: Looking forward. Ooh, yeah, looking, for, looking forward to that. Uh, Paul asked an interesting question. What does the money mean from the Big 12 What does the money from the Big 12 mean for the program in real terms? UC's basketball program has done well without a big conference, and due to the fact that the college football playoff is being expanded, including one group of five team, would the Bearcats have been in a better position to shine if they remained a big fish in a small pond? I will answer that question right now. Absolutely not. If the opportunity is there to go to the big boys' table, you go. I do not care. I don't want to be in the American anymore the big 12 is you're going to get more money you're going to get better exposure you're going to get better television deals you're not going to be playing on ESPN plus at 2 30 on a saturday you're not going to tip off at nine o'clock on ESPN plus on a wednesday night which is good for russ because he's got to get up at 5 a.m every day well you might because so- the
1: big 12 12- 12 is the flagship ESPN plus league. Okay. So well, that that, well, that well, will fine. still happen. Fine. That, but that, that the is, money will be much better.
0: <laughs> that's fine. I can let, that's fine. I can live with that. But you know what? You don't want to play at four o'clock on a Saturday in the American championship game. You want to play at noon on Saturday with Sean McDonough's crew or Chris Fowler's crew calling the big 12 championship. I'll put it to you that way, Paul, but an interesting question, but a very simple answer. Russ, we're going to hear from two of our sponsors and then I'm going to we're going to round it out with, um, we can get used to this, uh, another AFC Championship game appearance. We'll get to that after uh, we hear from two of our sponsors. Russ, um, <laughs> Mo, Mo said this, Mo Egger said this, our good friend said this this week. And I'm going to ask you this. Was Sunday the most impressive performance in Bengals history, considering what they were up against?
1: No, I'm still going to go with the AFC title win last year. I'm still going with that, but it's up there. It's definitely top. I, would say, I mean, I'd have to go through the entire 80s, 70s, 90s, not a lot of good stuff in the 90s, the 2000s, 2010s, all that stuff to, to actually do it. But I wouldn't say it's the number one most impressive performance by any Bengals team ever. I think beating that Chiefs team last year with how good they were on the road yeah. As big of a deficit that they faced, 21 to 3, tied for the biggest championship game, uh overcome uh over overcame lead in the history of the sport. I think that to me is the biggest accomplishment. But the, yeah. the divisional round is up there.
0: Tied for uh biggest comeback in conference championship game history with the 06. Thank you. Patriots That's the way I was Colts. trying to say it. <laughs> with the 06 Patriots Colts. That was a great game. Um, I, I know you gotta run. Uh, real quick, give me your score prediction for Sunday. Will the Bengals? Go back to the Super Bowl.
1: I think they will. I'm rolling with the Bengals. I got Cincinnati 28 and the Chiefs 25 on Sunday afternoon. Should be a really great game at 630.
0: Should be. Russ, I know you got to run. Thanks as always for joining me Wednesday afternoons here on The Live Room. We'll talk to you next week, man. Stay well and uh, stay safe with the weather up there, and I'll see you soon.
1: Yes, sir, Alex. Hopefully we're going to see each other in a couple of weeks time on yeah. the beat together. It would be a lot of fun to close out this regular season of Bearcats hoops. Looking forward. To it, it is
0: going to be, a, it's going to be a lot of fun, Russ. Thanks for joining me. Best wishes to you. And I will talk to you next week, man. Yes, of course. You too, Alex. Thank you, Russ Heltman. Um, Tucker, the rat Wittenberg with the question, when does the, when does losing the big games become a coaching issue for basketball? We have the talent to win these games. I can understand Arizona and I can guess Xavier, but we should lose to Memphis at home. Um, I mean, that's a fair question. Russ talks about this team not having the talent right now. I Look, I mean, yes, the Bearcats should now go to Memphis at home three straight years. That's a problem. I mean, that's, but at the same time, I don't know if it's a coaching issue just yet. And maybe if this pattern continues into next year, there's going to have to become a time where you have to win the big game. Um, I don't know if it's right now, but if, something goes awry on Saturday at Houston, that question might have some validity to it. I'll save that. Good question, Tucker. Um, thanks, as always, for joining us here on the live room. Excuse me. Um, on, on this Wednesday, um, this will be in podcast form tomorrow. For those of you uh, listening, if you want to listen again. Um, do we have another question? Uh, looks like we do from Tucker. He said, fair enough. Thanks. I'm glad I could uh, answer your question, Tucker. Um, I'm on Twitter at Frankie underscore Natty with two N's and an ATI. I'm on Instagram, Alex Frank, now underscore and email at Alex three, Frank at gmail.com. Thanks for making lockdown Bearcats your first listen today for your second listen. Check out our brand new podcast, locked on college basketball experts, Isaac shade and Andy Patton bring you. Everything you need to know on and off the court. Plus, here from big name experts, coaches, and players throughout the basketball landscape, Locked On College Basketball is available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Back tomorrow with a look ahead to the Bearcats in Houston on Saturday, or I should say, if you're listening to the, to this live, um, Friday. If you're listening on podcast form, back tomorrow, previewing the Bearcats and Houston. And here's I had a topic in my head that was so good, and I already forget what it is, but it, it's good. I, I trust me on that. It will be a good topic. It's something I about offense in the Big 12. So we'll get to that on Friday. And of course, uh, we did this last year. We like to um, highlight uh, the other teams in our city. Of course, the Bengals and the AFC Championship game Sunday at Kansas City. So I'll do a pre- preview segment on that game. Maybe uh, James Rapine will join me for a little bit. So um, we'll hear, hopefully hear from him. And uh, thanks as always for making Lockdown Bearcats your first listen every day are free and available everywhere you get your podcast. Part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. My name is Alex Frank for Lockdown Bearcats. I'm back tomorrow. If you're listening to this on podcast form Friday, if you listen to it live right now here on Lockdown Bearcats, we are part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm Alex Frank for Lockdown Bearcats. Have a great rest of your day, and I will talk to you tomorrow slash Friday right here on Lockdown Bearcats.